And hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome in to the 51st edition of Big Drive Energy, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, we missed the 50th edition due to the live show from the U.S. Open, so that's our bad, but 51 episodes, that's almost one for every week of the year for almost a year or so. We been, weren't at the U.S. Open. We were no. at the DNVR bar doing a live show about the U.S. Open. Correct. That is absolutely <laughs> correct. So we were doing a live show from the bar, not at the U.S. Open, but we are hoping to get credentials for a tournament coming up here soon at TPC here on Lakes. So stay tuned for that. That's uh, in the plans as of right now. But I am your host at Big Drive Spence, of course, here with my brother at Big Drive Mitch, doing another pod from the Valley of Fun, hanging out before our DNVR Golf League this evening, which has been an absolute riot. And uh, we're going to talk about drinking on the golf course today. We're going to talk about what the proper amount to drink is, and we're also going to recap the unbelievable playoff we had yesterday between Kramer Hickok and Harris English, just battling it out until the basically the sunset which was really cool to see and then talk a little bit about Mitchell's 54 holes yesterday that's right he played three rounds of 18 holes and maybe got a little bit too drunk I know some of our members that were joining him definitely did so we're going to get into that as well but um, first of all how you doing Mitch how's uh, how's it hanging been that's a lot of golf yesterday I can imagine you're a little beat today yeah I'm surprisingly not near as sore as I thought I would be like my back is just bad to begin with but I feel all right today shockingly enough I will get into the amount that I drank yesterday and how my my insides are feeling because they're not probably quite where they could be uh, not feeling too healthy today trying to drink a lot of water but probably get into some Breck Celsius a little bit later. Kind of tough to pass up. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about the Travelers Championship at River Highlands. That That is one of my favorite like low-key events on tour. The course just looks so good. Uh, it's always a really good field. This is the place where Jim Feard shot the first ever 58 out on tour, which is a pretty big accomplishment, I would say. I mean... That's like it, fucking four-person scramble type status. Right? We struggle to shoot 58 at Spring Valley. Seriously. Well, and it is a par 70, so that, still 12 under, though. That's insane. But it's kind of the place where everybody competes because some of the long hitters, like Bubba Watson's always played really well there. Um, but I'm going to stop you for a second because I just want to get this off my chest of how fucking oh, yeah, pissed off. shit is so pants yesterday. Bubba Watson, for those of you guys that didn't watch, was leading this tournament most of it. He was chipping in. He's won the Travelers three times, hence why he was one of my picks. He's not playing the best golf right now, but I felt really good about it. And I also felt really good about it on number 12 on Sunday when he was at 13 under. Harris English just made a bogey to get to 12. And Bubba Watson was leading the tournament. I was like, cool, I'm cashing out this plus 4,000 bet on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Feeling really good about his top 10. I was like, that's a guarantee. And this motherfucker goes, bogey, 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 double bogey to finish. Oh my god. And he goes from 13 under to a whopping 8 under and doesn't even finish in the top 10. So we... All-time choke job. Yeah, we had two guys in the final two groups, Cam Smith and Bubba Watson, and we finish a flat 0 for 6, don't hit a single top 10, and don't hit a single winner, which is chaps my ass. I was so pissed. Like, the, That's what you get for picking Bubba Watson. He's such a f- tool. 
I fucking hate the guy. I, I did have the all douchebag team. Um, Bubba Watson, Kevin Na, and Bryson DeChambeau. Kevin Na was pretty close there starting Sunday. Bryson DeChambeau was also one shot off of the top 10 starting Sunday and didn't finish in the top 10. So um, that's my last time for picking any of those jokers. Uh, I would because... say Kevin Na's that big of a douchebag. Bubba and DeChambeau definitely are, but I feel like Na is a douchebag to the outside world, but I think he's actually pretty well-liked amongst the players. He's just kind of that cocky dude who has to have that kind of mentality to make it out there. Because he's not that long. He doesn't have that great of a short game. He's just got to think he's the man in order to be the man. But I think Bubba's pretty universal. I wouldn't say he's hated universally. There's some players that like him, but I know there's definitely players that don't like him just because he's a fucking prima donna crybaby just all the time whining about something whenever just watching him swing is not fun like it's just ugly it's just not entertaining to me him slinging a pitching wedge 30 yards left to right like why is that cool i i don't really get that i don't love it and same with DeShambo. we've talked a lot about him but what a what a douche just nothing else nothing good to say about him but yeah kevin Na's not that hated on tour, I'd say. Anywho, we will never be picking Bubba Watson for another tournament. And do you know what really pisses me off too? Is he gets all these like special edition Jordans and stuff. That's what he he wears every week on tour. And if I was Michael Jordan, I'd be like, take those fucking shoes off. You're a bum, dude. You're you're from the backwoods of Florida. You fucking redneck. Like I just mm. oh, sorry. All this, all this Bubba Watson hate. Well, I. The one thing I am going to disagree with you on here is I actually love watching him hit the ball because he's self-taught and he's a guy that can move it so far from side to side and he trusts it. And it's incredible to watch. Like they were talking on one of the tee shots, I think it was 12 or 13. There's a whole gallery to the right and a couple of condos. And Nick Faldo is making a joke that was like, yo, if you live in these condos and you're out on your back porch watching this tournament, you better take a step back and get get inside or get closer to the door because he's going to cut one just about off your deck line. (laughs) And I think that's, I think it's fucking awesome because I love, I unintentionally most of the time move the ball way too much um but i actually think it's cool to watch like his swing is so like you watch it and you're like okay i don't know how this dude's any good like if i saw somebody swinging it like that on the driving range here just a random amateur i'd be like all right dude there's no way you're breaking 90 but i think the ability he has to move the ball is actually incredible to watch for me no i think it's incredible but my biggest problem with it is is that people watch him and think it's okay to swing like that they're like, oh, well, Bubba does it. That doesn't work for anybody else. And in that way, he's uniquely talented because his swing is so unconventional. And the way he goes about hitting cut shots and, and hook shots is just beyond me. But it's not repeatable for literally anybody else. Like, he's the only person in the world that can be successful with that kind of move. And that's what's so frustrating is people are like, oh, I'm going to try cutting it. I'm going to try drawing it. And I will tell you this. Until you can hit the same ball flight over and over about eight to nine times out of ten, you shouldn't even think about trying to work it the other way. Like, And that's where so many amateurs get in such trouble. They watch guys on tour working to left to right, working to right to left, and these guys go out and they can't even make solid contact yet. They're like, oh, I'm going to try to draw it around the tree. Just try not to fucking top it. Like, that's That should be your goal here. I don't need you to try to work it around this tree hit it high, like this high draw, you're not capable of that. And that's okay, but just have a realistic expectation of your golf game. But that's my thing with Bubba is he makes it look like it's doable, and it's really not. Like Nobody should be actively trying to draw it or fade it that much, and he is just an anomaly. And so for that, I do give him props. Just the way he acts, like he just seems like such a closet dickhead. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen be rude to a fan, but I could totally see him, like, you approach him in public, and he's like, yo, get the fuck away from me. You know what I mean? That just seems like he's that kind of guy. Like, thinks he's too good for everybody. He owns a candy shop, which I think is a little bit weird. Like, are you eight years old? Is this your your childhood fantasy to own a fucking candy shop? And he owns a minor league baseball team down in Florida. So, he's just kind of a weird guy. Um I'm not a huge fan, as everybody can probably pick up on. But anyway, let, let's get back to... <laughs> if you to, hadn't made that abundantly clear. Yeah, let's get back to the playoffs. So, Kramer Hickok, never won on tour before. He's a Texas product. Um, fun fact, he won 
the first ever professional event that I played in. It was a uh, Pepsi tour event down in uh, Chandler, Arizona, and he beat me by about 28 shots. I think I, <laughs> I think I missed the cut at four over for two days, and he shot 24 under, so... Um, him and I were pretty close, I would say. We're not a big gap there. I felt like a few missed putts here and there really set me back. But he, uh, no, he's really fucking good, obviously. He was boat racing many tour events. That was seven years ago. So he's been very good for a while. Did I did I mention he's Jordan Speed's roommate? I don't really give a shit, but I know that they probably brought it up on the broadcast every time he appeared on TV because America just has the biggest hard on for Jordan Spieth apparently but he has been very good even though he's not been really nationally recognized yet on the big stage and then Harris English who was considered one of the more underachieving players out on tour coming out of Georgia I think he's been on tour for seven years now and he had yet to win this uh in his career until this year he won the Century Tournament of Champions Wait, how does that work? He won last year, and then he won the Tournament of Champions. So now I think this is his third tour win. Yeah, he becomes the the fourth player on tour to win twice this year. And now he's second in the FedEx Cup. Like, came out and it feels like you haven't heard his name since the Tournament of Champions, and now he's second in the FedEx Cup. So, uh, kind of weird, but the guy hits it a really long ways. I mean, even longer than most people hit it nowadays, because everybody kind of hits it a long way, but... He hits it stupid long. He's been really good on tour for a while. Check out what his career earnings are. I bet I bet he's up over ten million bucks. Twenty one point four million. And he oh my god, that he's made over five point five this year. The money on the tour is just sick anymore, but I mean good for those guys. Get your bag. Get your get your cash while you can. Um, but everybody's saying the playoff was electric. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I thought it was kind of boring. Like eight pars i would have quit watching i would have taken a nap honestly though like so i actually watched it because you were out golfing which we'll talk about but i think the most incredible thing was how many six to eight footers they both made for pars that kept extending the match just nails after nails after nails and i believe it was i felt bad for kramer hickok because like you said never won on tour there was his 67th start his official you know time to feel bad for him he's only made 1.3 million on tour in the last couple of years but so he's kind of struggling along a little bit yeah you know not pro- probably living in a double wide somewhere in texas and just practicing <laughs> a lot of golf but kevin he, costner he uh with with a win in the travelers if he would have won the travelers he would have made more money in that one tournament than he's made in his entire career pga tour career combined so that the payout for that was like one point three or one point three five, and he's made like one point three two in his career. So I kind of felt bad for him in that aspect because it was they they made the putts they needed to make, and then not a single time did one of them make a putt that they to win it that they yes. didn't need to make. See, that's that's my thing. Like if you were to get a star-studded playoff, like say Bubba for instance, or nah, he's not a good example because he fucking sucks at putting. But if you get, like, a couple of star-studded vets, like, say, Webb Simpson or um, just throw another name out there, guys that have won quite a bit out on tour, you see more fireworks in playoffs like that. Like, one of those guys is going to make a birdie. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, these guys' fireworks were... Making a six-footer for par. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the difference is you can tell the, the pressure level and how it affects different players in different stages of their careers. Like, you get Phil and Webb, or you get, I don't know, it, fucking throw out a few other names. I'm drawing a blank here. Sergio but, Garcia. Yeah, you get Sergio, you get John Rahm, you get Tiger a few years back, whatever. You know that Birdie is going to win in the first few holes. And that's the other thing that I didn't like about the Travelers also. Didn't they play 18, eight straight times? No, so they played... They played 18 for the first playoff hole. So there's eight playoff holes total. So these guys played 26 holes, which is only about half of what you played yesterday. Just about. But so they they played 18, and then they played 17-18, and then they played 17-18 again, 
and then 18 until it was over. So they had played 18 until the next day, Good which job. was a little lame. Uh, honestly, like, I wish... So seven... Uh, I think on the fifth playoff hole, the second time... Or fourth playoff hole, the second time they played 17, Kramer Hickok had, like, an eight-footer to win it, and it looked dead center and it had good pace like it wasn't moving that quick and it just lipped out and it's just like can you imagine being a, literally a centimeter from making 1.3 million and then you end up having to play six more holes but i mean the shouts out to him because even on one, i think it was the sixth or seventh playoff hole he hit a terrible approach shot on 18 he was like off the green and then he blows his birdie attempt putt because at this point, Harris English is only like eight feet. I think, no, six feet, three inches for birdie to win the playoff. So Kramer Hickok gave gave it a real good run. And then he ended up like 12 or 13 feet past. So he was still out. And then he nails that for par. And English totally whiffs the hole. And so it moved on to another hole. But I just, I mean, the, the fact that they were all for pars wasn't great. But it was great to finally see a golf tournament, not a blowout. I was really stoked by that and getting into a playoff. I wish it would have been one of my guys that I bet on. Um, but I think just watching eight extra holes of like sudden death golf was was freaking awesome. But I they should have. This is the one thing I'm mad about, and maybe they'll look at this next year going into the Travelers, but they definitely should have made hole number 15 a playoff hole. That, that drivable, drivable par four, because, that's a great hole. I mean, that's where Bubba's wheels really came off. Like He was still tied for the lead going into that hole, and then he hits it in the water, then he chips it short of the green, then he chips it up again, misses it, makes bogey, and basically derailed his whole round. But just the amount of, like, you could hit it on and make eagle, oh, or yeah. you can make five or six. Like, they 100%. should have had that The risk-reward involved. Like, I actually love 18 at TBC River Highlands. I think it's a really good quality par four. But there's really not that much you can do to make it. I wouldn't say it's not birdieable. It's definitely birdieable, but it's I wouldn't say it's very bogeyable. You know what I mean? Unless you completely are get derailed with your tee shot. If you're in the grandstands or whatever, then you still get a free drop out of there. But there's just not a whole lot on that hole that really makes it that dangerous where it really gets you thinking, you know? You hit it in the fairway, you hit it on the green. And that's, the. if I'm not mistaken, that was where Jordan Spieth hold that bunker shot a few years back Oh, yeah, to they win talked it. about that multiple times. Oh, yeah. And they were even like... I think one of them was in the bunker. And they're like, Jordan and they're Spieth. Like, oh, this is about the same exact spot Jordan Spieth hold it from to win the playoffs. So. But the impressive thing is they both birdied it in regulation to get to the playoff. That is because impressive. Because I think one of the most insane things about golf in general, and I, we talked about this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago where, like, I think it was Arnold Palmer, like, left a tournament and then found out he won. Like, hours later, he was already on the plane gone. Mark Leishman... Was in the clubhouse two, three hours, well, at the end of it, about three and a half, four hours before Kramer Hickok and Harris English, and he was the leader at one point. So you're, you finish your round, you, sh- you fire a super low one on Sunday, all of a sudden you're tied for the lead, Bubba was at 13, you're thinking, okay, he's getting to 14, 15, this tournament's going to be over, and he, he doesn't. And then all of a sudden, English birdies 18 to go to 13, and he thinks he's going to win the tournament, and then Kramer Hickok has to make birdie on 18 to go into a playoff, and he does. So even though it's not the most electric names that we could have seen in a playoff or the most electric scoring, you know, birdies both tying it, I think that was really good for golf, and especially in this downtime where on Sundays, like yesterday, there was, you know, playoff basketball was a little later. Everybody's kind of locked into golf, and you can see it just on Twitter, like, all the people that normally cover other sports are like, holy shit, you know, this This is an intense playoff. This is fun. Even though it's two guys you don't really know the names of, that's what's awesome about golf. And, and in any sport, really, you know, a story of a player that comes out of nowhere and has a great game and shows up, and you're like, like um, Terrence Mann for the Clippers a couple of games ago at 40, and everybody's like, Terrence Mann, Terrence Mann, Terrence Mann, you know. Before this tournament started, nobody gave a shit what Harris English and Kramer Hickok were doing. Yeah. And and they put themselves on the center stage and had a chance to win the tournament and played eight holes against each other, just sudden death. So that was pretty fun to watch. Oh, no, I mean, it was a great tournament, great ending. But, yeah, I, I feel like almost like a shootout in hockey – if you go, like, two or three extra holes and you are still tied, maybe do, like, a closest to the pin or, like, I know that's 
completely outrageous. <laughs> I saw a tweet yesterday that was like, like, after the third or fourth, they should just start taking clubs out of their bags. They should allow each other to pick what club the yeah. other. That, like, can you imagine that? That'd be wild. Oh, yeah, that'd be insane. Like, give them each a seven iron and watch them play a hole. I mean, I'd be pretty pissed off if I had a million three on the line and I had to play the play any hole with just a seven iron. But just something like that, you got to switch it up. I feel like, or at least switch holes more often. You know, like jump around that hole number fifteen. That is probably the best risk reward hole on that entire golf course. Like, why would you not utilize that in the playoff? Watch somebody hit it in the water. Watch somebody make two. You know, that's what gets the people going. That's what gets the ratings. It's not a couple of guys hitting a par four in regulation eight times in a row and two putting until somebody finally makes a bomb like i feel like they may have lost some of the attention of the viewers at that point but overall really good event it's a good event every year it's a really fun tournament i think they've been out at tpc stone oh god not even close tpc cromwell I want to say it's river highlands river highlands in cromwell connecticut in Cro- okay <laughs> i knew i was missing something TBC River Highlands, it's a great track. I'd love to go play there sometime. Uh, just a classic East Coast-style golf course. Some really good quality holes, good decisions to be made, or bad decisions to be made, depending on how you look at it. But, yeah, fun week on tour. Got the people talking about golf. You know, that's what that's what we're looking for. Get people focusing a little bit more on golf than they are basketball, football, hockey, you know. So it's been it's been good. Yeah, so before we re, uh, finish up the recap and get into your 54-hole day, 54 day solstice marathon, um, funny tweet I saw from this past week. So there's a professional ladies golfer named Sharmila, Sharmila Nicolette, and she was playing this last weekend, and she actually got a penalty, got a two-stroke penalty because her caddy used the cart to go to the restroom. Like, dude, why are we doing this still? Yeah. Like, why are we making golf so lame? Like, why are... I shouldn't say we. We try to make golf as fun as fucking possible. That's literally our job. Yeah. But why is, like, the USGA and different organizations that just love... Like, I hope by the time we're 50, 60 years old and people our age and, like, the millennials slash Gen Xs or Gen Z, what is below us? Gen Z... I think so. Like, Gen Zs are running the game of golf. I hope it looks very different from a standpoint of inclusivity, uh, allowing a lot more people to play and making it more fun for people and not so serious. Like, you can make it as serious as you want. You can also make it as fun as you want. But just things like that, as far as that going into a tournament and getting a penalty for your caddy using a a freaking cart to go to the restroom is absolutely insane. So, especially a ladies major. That Yeah, it it sucks, and it's... It's fucking stupid that the rule's there. But the fact that the player and the caddy didn't know that that was a rule, that's on them, you know? I mean, it's it's not like, yes, it's a dumb rule, but if you don't know it, then that's on you. That's that's my real issue with it. It's not the fact that... that well, okay, let me backtrack. It's not the fact that she got penalized. Is that no? Is that correct? I don't know. What I'm saying is, it's their fault. It's it's a fucking dumb rule, but it's their fault that it happened. So you got to know the rules, no matter how dumb they are. There's dumb rules in every sport. Maybe golf has more dumb rules, probably, than other sports that are a little bit more normal. But yeah, I mean, and the fact that nobody even told her. Like, don't you think? How do how did she get the card? Did we did we see the situation? No, I didn't. We didn't see the situation. Like, basically. how did somebody give her a cart and not know that giving her a cart was going to get her player penalized? That shit sucks. The fact that nobody knows that rule, I feel like could have saved her a couple strokes. Obviously, made her a little bit more money, and that's something you got to you got to know. Got to know the rules, or at least ask before you do so. You know, you'd like to think that you could take a cart over to the fucking clubhouse to to go use the restroom do whatever but you got to know if you can't do that flat out and they didn't so yeah so pretty unfortunate situation for her but the rules of golf are what they are and at this point they're slowly getting better slowly transforming to the world of being able to allow a lot more people to play and feel more comfortable playing that haven't but that's a story for that's a story for another pod 
Um, let's get into your 54-hole day, this marathon, and talk a little bit about, you know, drinking on the golf course is a necessity for most of us, other than PGA Tour players and people taking it super serious. I recommend that if you drink in general, like if you don't drink in general, there's no reason to drink on the golf course. We're not promoting alcoholism here, <laughs> um, quite like out loud. But to me, it's just, what other sport can you do that in? You know, I play, I mean, I play intramural volleyball and I tend to drink when I'm playing that, but I don't care who wins. Like, you know, like I'm just like there for fun and trying to enjoy an evening. But at most sports, like it legitimately decreases your level of uh, your ability level and your motor skills. But in golf, there's, there's a zone and we'll talk about this. Well, there's a zone that you can get in where you're like, it takes away some of the thinking aspect and it, and it brings you back to just now you have to have a good golf swing and have have had a lot of practice to be able to go you know back to your roots of a good golf swing when you're hitting the ball and drunk at the same time but generally it takes away a lot of the a lot of the thinking, thinking aspect as- yeah, yeah the mental aspect of it some people just loosen up a little bit they swing a little bit more freely but yeah so i'll get into the 54 hole summer solstice marathon that we had yesterday um so basically what it is it's me and 11 of our, our buddies. There's three groups, uh, two-person teams, and we start, first tee time is at 6 a.m., second tee time it starts at 10.30 a.m., third tee time starts at 3.30 p.m. So we were on the golf course. I woke up yesterday at 5, 5 o'clock. I was at the golf course by 5.30, and I left at 9 p.m., and that is not something that I would wish upon anybody. I mean, at least I wasn't out here working because we did have it at the Valley of Fun. So I kind of felt a little guilty not being at work and playing golf. But, you know, it's how the fucking cookie crumbles. Um, but so the first 18, we play scramble. Second 18, we play best ball. Third 18, we play an alternate shot. And I almost think this is a tournament that we could possibly think about putting on the schedule at the Valley for Fun Valley of Fun for Valley for Fun Valley for Fun works too Valley of Fun for next year Um, but it is just a freaking blast and everybody just drinks their asses off it's such a great time we try to enjoy the longest well so technically if you're a science person or you just know anything you'll know that the 21st of June is the longest day of the year the summer solstice so we didn't quite get it on the 21st of June. You know, we've all got lives. We can't just drop everything and play golf. But we played it on the 27th, was that? Yep, the 27th. And we needed every ounce of daylight we could get because we were coming off 18 green. I was in the last group on the third 18. And we came off the last green at 8.30. And it, it was cloudy and it was just getting dark. But I have to say, so how we pair it is... We based off handicap and the lowest handicap and the highest handicap get paired together and so on and so forth. Second lowest, second highest, yada yada yada. So I play off. I was playing off a plus two, you know, just a generic number, whatever. And my teammate was Jay Mayers, awesome dude, one of our members here out of Spring Valley, and he's like a nineteen. So him and I. We luckily for me, Jay is not a huge drinker because last year I got stuck with Theodore Stutz, and he was blacked out by the second eighteen off of vodka Red Bulls. I legitimately think he drank vodka Red Bulls all day, and that is not sustainable. Um, I'm sure everyone's tried it at some point. You don't really try it more than once. You know how that goes. Uh, especially, I don't know if this is with you, but I get really bad hangovers on vodka Red Bulls. Because it feels like my body's just getting pulled in different directions. Like, yeah, I don't know whether to like be depressed roll, or like, roller coaster yeah, exactly. Pulls you down, the Red Bull pulls you back up. It, exactly, and you just go through all these waves of emotion. It just makes you a fucking basket case. But Ted struggled a lot last year, hence why we didn't win. And for those of you who have ever played an alternate shot at all, that is where the winners are made and tournaments are won or lost. Because you can't, you can hide somebody, you can hide a bad player on a best ball or a scramble. You know, if you've got a good stick and a a mediocre player, the good stick can carry you through the best ball and the scramble. But the alternate shot rolls around, 
And if your second player is not doing well, you flat out have no chance. And so Jay and I, we started off with a 68 on the scramble, which wasn't great. You know, it could have been could have been better. And then we shot a 75 on the best ball, which was pretty damn bad because I basically shot a 75 on my own ball. I was going to say how, how much of that was your ball. Yeah, I, I think you made one par, so maybe I shot a 76. But I did not play very well on the best ball, so we were at a gross of uh, one under going into the last 18. And Jay and I shot in a gross 80 on the last 18 alternate shot. That's which, pretty good. I, yeah, I mean, considering his average is somewhere between 90 and 100, we both played, like, he, he just kept me in play, and that's the biggest thing with alternate shot. We made one triple bogey on eight because he pulled it left into the hazard, and then I had to take the drop and lay up, and then we just struggled from there. But other than that, I think we made five bogeys and a triple, and... Or did we birdie a par five? Uh, yeah, we birdied the par five, so maybe six bogeys, a triple, and a birdie. But shooting an 80 on our alternate shot was the most impressive part. And we ended up winning by, what did we win by? I think four or five shots. Um, but the big key there was, is I think I had, and this might sound outrageous, keep in mind, first of all, this is a no-shaming zone. I do not want to be alcohol shamed. Um, second of all, this is over a, a span of fourteen hours. Uh, that is one of our rules: is we have to have an, we. It's an open container policy. You can't not be drinking. That's just not how our group rolls. You have to be drinking at all times. So if you want to come hang with the big dogs, you gotta gotta get your levels up. You gotta hang get in those BACs up. Yeah, that BACs hanging around point one to point two you never know <laughs> somewhere in that area but i think i had 12 seltzers over the throughout the day and two vodka red bulls in 14 hours so i basically had one drink an hour for 14 hours and that might seem like a lot to people that might seem like not a lot to people but you have to find like spencer said you have to find some sort of middle ground when you're drinking and golfing and that was my middle ground yesterday. I'd say I got a little too buzzed maybe there towards the end. And I think I was just tired. You know, when you're drinking and you're tired, it feels like you get hit by a brick wall and you, all of a sudden you can't fucking talk. Like, your ability to do anything just kind of goes out the window. And so I start getting a little too fucked up there towards the end. But I wouldn't say at any point I was past the point of being able to hit the ball. See, we have another guy. I will not name his name. Uh that we played with yesterday who I think took three or four shots on the first 18 and had like three or four beers and he's fucking shit face like <laughs> you have three or four beers and we played the first round in like three and a half hours you have three or four beers and three or four shots in three and a half hours you're going to be hammered and at that point your golf game goes out the fucking window and his definitely did and it was quite the sight and the guy is about 50 years old, so I was pretty shocked that he was the one doing that, not me, because you'd think I would act the most immature in the group. But shockingly enough, you get a bunch of grown-ass men out on the golf course, and everyone turns into a fucking 16-year-old that just had their first sip of alcohol. So I actually held my own really well, and my partner only had, I think, two beers per 18, which is basically nothing. I think he's pretty much sober the whole time. Yeah, it's pretty much water at that point. Like, yeah. It's just like drinking drinking a bunch of water. See, and I'm just going to be flat-ass honest. I can't have two beers every four hours. Like, what the fuck's the point? No, I'll be sleeping by the 17th hole. Yeah, exactly. You have to find that, that medium where you keep your energy up, but you're not drunk, but you're coherent, but you're kind of numbed out a little bit. You're not too worried. Like, there's just such a fine line. Um... And I think I found it yesterday. I think a few vodka Red Bulls is pick-me-ups. And then just cruising on the seltzers just to keep that level and kind of plateau. You know, not the, the roller coasters, ups and downs. Because I think our buddy who got shit-faced the first 18 was probably hungover like in the middle of the second 18. Can you imagine that oh, being yeah, hungover at noon? You probably start catching your hangover middle of the day. I think, honestly, if I would have played in that, or if I'm going marathon drinking, I have to start out with Bloody Mary, and I know they say 
well, they actually they say liquor before beer, you're in the clear. I think that to myself every night before I go out and start drinking. So I'd make, <laughs> make sure that I do the right thing for this random ass. Theory is tested. Yeah, but like I would have, I always like. If I drink before 10 a.m., 99% of the time, it's a Bloody Mary. And then I can get into some beer, and then I can get into some Celsius, and then I can get into some hard alcohol later if I'm still awake and not too drunk. But, I, like, Bloody Mary is my absolute go-to on an early morning round at the golf course. That like just that. sounds like fucking Pepto-Bismol to me, that stuff gives me such bad heartburn well the funny thing is like i feel like i don't even really like bloody marys but just the the thought of i love the thought of a bloody mary i don't actually really particularly love to drink a bloody mary but the idea of like having a bloody mary with some olives like it's got to be a good bloody mary it's got to have some horseradish it's got to be it's got to have some olives yeah i mean we don't i don't need a piece of bacon in there but it's got to have lemon it's got to have lime what about cheese cubes i'd be cheese cubes i'm all i'm out on oh yeah you're because i don't eat i don't really eat cheese or drink dairy whatever so whatever yeah Yeah. typical millennial you know can't have anything to fucking eat anymore but yeah i'm more of a screwdriver guy to start i think going vodka red bull that early is a tough play um just get you too high too soon you know you gotta you gotta climb your way up you can't skyrocket because that means there's an impending and you just slowly parachute downward yeah exactly you you just kind of come down but you can't let yourself get tired because if you get too tired i don't know about everybody else but if i have two drinks in a couple hours all i want to do is take a nap like you really kind of got to hit it hard did i have a shot of whiskey i don't think did i i forget it's all kind of a blur. Maybe I was a little bit more drunk than I thought I was. But overall, it was a really fun day, you know. Just being out there with your buddies. That's that's what it's all about, being out there, having some laughs. One of the craziest things I ever saw yesterday, well, just in general, but it happened yesterday, was my playing partner on the seventh hole, he had like a six-footer that probably broke like a foot left to right. Just a huge breaker. And so he has Ted move his ball mark to the left a a putter head because he's kind of in his line jay pulls the shit out of it like it's gonna miss probably a foot left it hits the inside of ted's ball marker from like four feet away from the hole and banks into the hole (laughs) like it was unbelievable i you couldn't do that if you tried and i had never seen that before i was like holy shit but that was a clutch uh clutch par save there by mr mayor's my partner did he have a uh, dinner plate out there for a ball marker? Or was it pretty small? Um, it was one of those like, like Colorado ones that had like the rubber on top. It was like a piece of metal with kind of like the rubber sticking out. Oh yeah. So it was just enough to deflect it. Like it wasn't like super high, but yeah, it was insane. I've never seen that before, and I hit the ball pretty damn good. I could really tell though. I was just the mixture of exhaustion and I think the alcohol. My game just slowly deteriorated as the day went on. I started missing greens, started hanging back on my right foot, chunking the shit out. I wouldn't say chunking the shit out of it, drop kicking it, you know, things like that. Like the first 18 I played yesterday, I was on point. My ball striking, excuse me, everything was on point. And as you can tell, that's the yawn from still not getting enough sleep from yesterday and last night. Um... But yeah, you have to find that happy medium when you're drinking out on the golf course. And some people have different strategies, but Spencer, what is where do you feel like your happy medium is out on the golf course? Well, I honestly, so the best round of golf I ever played, I was drunk pretty much the whole time in a tournament. And it wasn't a, it's so the PGA does these like pro-ams where basically I go play these sick courses. I don't have to pay anything. The amateurs entry fees pay for my entry fees. So it's a pretty choice deal. And I try to play every year at this course called uh, Aspen Aspen Glen Country Club in Aspen Glen. Well, it's in like some city out there, but amazing golf course. One year I just wanted to play it because I was like, hey, I just want to go play in something. What's here? Aspen's cool. We usually go stay the night in Glenwood Springs, which is amazing. And this is the first year I played in this. Never before seen the golf course. I show up. I'm like, all right, I know I'm shooting 85 because the Pro-Am is like a the pro plays his own ball but it's also a shamble for the amateurs so if my drive is the best drive then they can play from my drive but i still have to play from my drive if it's shitty and they can all play from their the best drive of theirs and then you you get your handicaps and you take the um the lowest two scores gross and net scores on each hole 
add them together and that's how the format is and so I go out there and I I'm I do not know how this happened but I shot 68 par 71 I took like second or third out of all the pros in that tournament felt pretty good about myself to be honest with you but no joke like the 15th 16th hole I was so out of my mind like not drunk but just like I was out of my mind enough to where I was smoking cigars I had two cigars charred like i was going those things were cooking and i was drinking straight beers just beer after beer after beer i probably had a beer every two holes and for some reason i just was swinging it so good dude and so it didn't matter if i was even drinking but also i think the drinking helped me like because if i get in my mind and i'm like oh my god i see the water over there i see this over there when i'm drinking i'm just like up oh, i'm just gonna go up and make a swing at it and i think the less i gave a shit about how i was playing like i started to do the same typical shit that I do because I was four or five under at one point. I'm like, oh my God, I'm five under. Then I make bogey. Oh my God, I'm six under. You know, then I make two bogeys in a row. I mean, I did it shit at the DNVR Golf League at Spring Valley two weeks ago. I'm like two under through five. And of course I opened my fucking mouth and say something to somebody about it. RK was asking me how I was doing. And I can't just say, you know, I'm playing good. I had to fucking whip my you know what out and try to act like i was hard and be two under and then i finish it even par make two straight bogeys on like easy holes so that's what you get you know i'm superstitious i'm very superstitious about golf uh, i change my ball marker every hole that i miss a putt just shit like that so you can't really say it out loud it's kind of like a no hitter you just can't fucking flap your flap your jaws about that so i did but in this one i started thinking a little bit and i kind of you know train tracks made some putts down the stretch for par like i i was trying to focus but i was also like shit i'm two under i've never really shot two under and of course i've never played before in an actual tournament that mattered where i had to put everything out so um but yeah i definitely think there's a zone where you can get in where you're dr not too drunk to where you're seeing two golf balls like you're seeing double titleists when you look down but also not tired or not like just sober as fuck because then if you're that sober you're you're just basically there's no point in drinking like yeah, if you're yeah. drinking and you're staying sober there's really no point i mean unless you have to in, in a round like you played with the 54 holes you really have to be able to find the zone where it's like okay i am not thinking i don't really care but i'm also not falling over every time i make a golf swing yeah exactly and as you can tell by spencer's description of his rounds of golf he's a fucking basket case uh switching your putting or your marker after every single holes well every missed putt which is borderline every hole for spencer <laughs> yes it um, is i don't know how many markers you got in your fucking bag but i hope it's quite a few it's cause... like a hundred <laughs> well so i a little fun fact for everybody listening i every time i go to a casino whether it's in colorado vegas um new orleans i always get a one dollar coin and that's what i use for like 90 percent of my ball marks is a one dollar um chip from a casino so I'm not a high roller. I'm not using a like a $500 one. Those get those go straight to the cashier. Um, but the $1 coins, I have a, a ton of them from like the Mirage and the Rio and all the different places in Vegas, Caesar's Palace and um, Harris and all that shit. But the Win, the Win's one of my favorite ones. But I always try to keep one and I and I rat hole it in my pocket when I'm in the casino and then end up using it for a ball marker, even though it is kind of annoying because it's so big. So. Yeah, I mean, I like that, except for other than the fact that it's gigantic and in people's way, but... Um, it definitely gets annoying. People get annoyed by when they... when I get annoyed when I have to move it, then I usually just go up and putt. I don't mark my ball a ton, especially if it's not in somebody's way. I see no need to mark it, to be honest with you, but, you know, that's just, that's just how it goes. Yeah, well, so... Overall, my 54-hole day was a success. I had a blast. Um, I'm still tired, for sure. I am struggling today. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I think I might take a nap before league starts. Hopefully get a little snoozle in. And then I'll probably go back and grab some seltzers and just kind of keep it rolling. Just kind of get back at it. A little office nap. Sure. For those of you guys that don't know, uh, we I have an office upstairs here at the Valley of Fun. That's where we're currently recording this pod and it's a great napping spot it has been napped in multiple times my chair is extremely comfortable yeah and it's so cool like cold i mean like cool cold that that's why i'm yawning like i'm starting to get all sleepy because of this fucking room but uh yeah i i definitely need a nap after these last few days um 
Well, anyways, let's move on to... So before we get about our picks for this week's yeah, championship, week. we want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. So DraftKings Sportsbook, we're on it every week. We're betting baseball, we're betting basketball, we're betting football in the fall, we're betting golf, of course. That's like our... That's like our jam right there. I love betting golf tournaments. Um, I think I'm going to start taking Hank's strategy with golf tournaments and betting one guy a day. Um, because when you bet four guys in the beginning and they all suck, uh, which happens from time to time, uh, then you're basically out of it. So I'm going to start doing that. But I've always loved DraftKings Sportsbook ever since sports betting became legal in Colorado. And they're giving you guys a great offer. So they're giving you the chance to win $100 in site credits off a $1 bet. So that's all you have to do is pick one basketball team that's in contention. So take the Phoenix Suns, man. I, they look really good. It makes me sad, but I think they're going to beat the LA Clippers. So take the Phoenix Suns. You bet $1 as long as you click that promo and make sure that thing is boosted up for you. You're going to win $100 in site credit, and then you can build your account from there. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more, including golf. You can get promos every day and gets guys boosted in golf like last week in the u.s open i got the brooks kepka versus bryson boosted so you can get random boosts and then end up making money off of those so make sure you download the DraftKings sportsbook app and use that promo code dnvr and you'll get the chance to turn one dollar into 100 if you pick any nba team and they win i think the bucks are going to win the nba finals though so take them a few games against the suns if they and if that ends up being the nba finals matchup so Download that top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up, turning $1 into $100 in free credits if your basketball team wins. Promo code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Wager is paid out in site credits and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, stay off the golf course or call 1-800-522-4700. All right. On to our DraftKings picks for this week. So we've got the Rocket Mortgage Classic, Bryson DeChambeau, defending champion. We're not going to talk about him, though, because he's not on my pick list this week. I'm going to give you guys three picks for the week. Do with what you want. I think I'm going to scroll, scroll down a little bit after uh, scale down on my bets. Not on my units, but what I'm betting. I'm going to bet all these guys to win the tournament, but I'm going to also bet them top 20. Uh, first guy, we're going to go with Sunjay M. like the dude's game. He's played well here, uh, and I just I just like betting on the guy and cheering for the guy. I think he, he hasn't been the hottest of golfers right now, but I'm going to go Sunjay M. I'm going to take Max Homa, great Twitter follow, but I also think he's going to play some good golf this week after watching um, guys like Kramer Hickok and being you know on the, on the Twitter scene and tweeting out and being super into it. So I'm going to go Max Homa. Sun J M, and then a guy that's played really good the last couple weeks and just especially last week and then fell off, um, but has been kind of at the top of the leaderboard a fair amount. I'm going to go with Bryce Garnett. Um, so those are my three picks: Sun J M, Max Homa, Bryce Garnett. I'm also going to be cheering for secretly Ricky Fowler. He's back in the field this week. He's finished in the top 20 at this tournament before. So, um, but my official pick: Sun J M, Bryce Garnett, and Max Maxwell Homa. I don't Maxwell. know if that's his real name. <laughs> All right, and just to let everybody know if we didn't mention it, the odds are not out yet on DraftKings, so whatever the odds are, we will tweet them out Wednesday afternoon or evening. Um, we're recording this on Monday, but we are taking these picks, not quite sure what the odds are on them. Um, so I am going to also pick three players, dabble where you see fit. Number one is going to be Kevin Kisner. He played really well last week. He's played. He finished third here last year. So, good golf. He likes the course. Can't really go wrong there. And then I've got... God, why am I drawing a blank? Um, who else did I just say? Spencer, do you remember? Emiliano Grillo. Um, I really like his game. He's just a good stick all the way around. He always hits it well. Uh, this course isn't necessarily a bomber's course. It's playing just over 7,300. So, don't necessarily have to be the longest one in the field. Looks like a fairly typical tree-lined country club, um, Midwestern country club, lots of big old trees. Uh, looks like a good track, though. Should be pretty fun to watch. And then I am going to also pick Garrick Higo to top 10 and possibly win the event. We've talked about him. What about your boy Matt Wolf? Oh, yeah, I, I liked Matt Wolf also. Um, Wolf played really well here last year. 
We'll see if he can kind of reemerge. He hasn't been playing great so far this year. He's he was our only really bad pick this past week at the Travelers was Matt Wolf. He missed yeah, the cut, he, so he's had an extra couple days to think about it. Yeah, he completely hosed me last week, so hopefully he'll get me back. So I guess I've got four players. So Grio, Wolf, Higo, and how did I just forget the first one? Good God, I am losing my fucking mind. Um... Who was the other one? Oh, my goodness. Anywho. Kisner. Kisner, thank you. I just was having a complete brain fart. But, yep, those are my picks this week. I think we're going to do pretty well. Uh, this one, I feel like this tournament's a little less predictable. You know, there's it's not a crazy um, big-name field. Bryson's playing. A few big guys are playing. But it's not like all the top dudes. It's kind of more of that that middle-of-the-road middle, middle of the road kind of event because we do have the open coming up here in three weeks i want to say so we've got the rocket mortgage this week and then we've got the john deere which is a pretty popular one john deere's electric because they go so freaking low yeah at that course oh, yeah just like 30 under or whatever and then the barbasol is that's a crossover event so we only we only have two weeks yeah two weeks so before the, the it's the john deere open. and that field's always really good too because guys are trying to get into the open or is there an exemption? Of the, I think there's an exemption of the Open if you win. Um, but guys are also just trying to prep their games. So that's a really fun one. And then we've got the Open Championship at Royal St. George's July 15th through the 18th. So that is coming in hot. I cannot wait to watch that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. I think the Open is one of my favorites to watch just because of the way, the difference, the way the different... <laughs> The difference in the way golf is played at that tournament oh, compared yeah. to every tournament on U.S. soil. The creativity and everything is just such a different game, and I would agree with you there. And I think we what, something we really haven't talked much about, but we will definitely be previewing and doing a lot of, um, which is going to be a blast to watch later this month, is Olympic men's golf oh, yeah. over in Japan. We got Olympic men's golf this year, and we have a Ryder Cup this year. We got a lot of golf. We got a up. lot of freaking golf. Even and though usually when the majors are over, you kind of feel like, okay, now it's the FedEx Cup, and that's the last exciting thing. But this year with the Olympics and then the and the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits, which I'm going to be watching very closely because it's a course I've played, and you just kind of feel more connected to it and feel like, oh, I hit it there, I hit it there. Um, not in this, any of the same launching areas that these guys do but you know it's just a fun a fun couple of events coming up for golf we'll be doing live shows at the bar also we are now like kind of tiktok famous so um if you're listening to this pod and you don't follow us on tiktok get over to dnbr underscore golf watch our pro shop videos seems like we found our niche you know uh, we, we got it in the niche we were in our niche and so we are killing it with the tiktok having a good time doing that kind of gets out our frustrations of the golf course and working in a golf shop while making it funny as well so if you don't follow us on there follow us at dnvr underscore golf follow our twitter at dnvr underscore golf i am at big drive spence he is at big drive mitch follow us on all the social media outlets to get all of the coverage that we give you guys each week, including podcasts, um, course reviews on TikTok. Now we're going to start doing those as well. So if you want to check out some Colorado courses, we did the Sanctuary this week, um, this past week. So we're going to start doing that a lot more for other golf courses coming up. So thank you guys all for listening, tuning in. The past year has been a blast. The next year is going to be even better. So we'll talk to you all next time. Peace.